Hey, Joe. Yes, Torin. You know who Cthulhu is? Uh, he's a great old one. Created by H.P. Lovecraft? Yeah. Then you know there's a Call of Cthulhu role-playing game? I, I am aware of that. We've played it together. Have we? Yeah, you made my guy go crazy and get bacteriophobia. But did you also know about Delta Green? I know a little bit about it, but you should tell me some more. Well, Delta Green revolves around a fictitious secret organization created by the U.S. government following the covert raid on the town of Innsmouth, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. From H.P. Lovecraft's The Shadow Over Innsmouth. Spearheaded by elements of the United States government, its members are dedicated to combat. This is like the A-Team, Q-A-Team music. Its members are dedicated to combating the mind-rending horrors of the Cthulhu mythos. The organization works undercover by contacting and gathering members across the wide range of U.S. government agencies like the FBI, ATF, CDC, and DEA. If you've got a great old one, if you can find them, perhaps you can hire Delta Delta Green. Green. There's a new book out, Delta Green Denied to the Enemy. How do you get this book, Torn? You can get it on uh, Amazon for Kindle. At Barnes & Noble for the Nook. That's where I eat my breakfast. Yeah. That's the, the Barnes & Noble e-reader. Right. And at iBookstore for the iPad and iPhone. But if you order the EPUB version at arcdream.com, that's A-R-C-D-R-E-A-M, and use the coupon code CAUSTIC, you get 20% off. 20%. Fantastic. So digital-only book. This particular novel, Delta Green Denied to the Enemy, is set entirely in World War II, just after the official creation of Delta Green, it follows a Nazi researcher and occultist who has a change of heart the closer he gets to fulfilling his supernatural mission. This is a book, uh, would it be considered in the Lovecraftian vein? It absolutely would. Lovecraft, modern uh, warfare. I love it when an unspeakable amorphous blob comes together. There's people exploding, limbs being blown apart, human sacrifice, fighting, shooting, ESP, dogs and cats living together, strong men losing their minds, horrible immortal monsters that will destroy humanity. So they're going to give you a copy so you can run us through it? It's not a role-playing It's not a role-playing supplement. supplement. This is an actual novel. Oh, this is a Accessible novel. to all. Oh. Yeah. Not just the role-playing nerd. Yeah, I'm getting this book for sure. You fucking better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just too hot to get frozen in a blizzard. I'm Kevin Leeson. This episode is like finding a frozen woman in a haystack. It's not that hard. I'm Joe Fulgham. Blowjacked in a snow-nado. I'm Torn Atkinson, today on Caustic Soda. Blizzards on caustic soda. Blizzards are cold. That is Thank true. Thank you, Doctor Obvious. Uh, Doctor Obvious. Blizzards are blowy. Blizzards are blowy. Blizzards are snowy. Also <laughs> true. <laughs> three, snowy, three for three. Snowy, blowy, and cold. A blizzard is a severe storm condition characterized by strong winds and reduced visibility. By definition, the difference between blizzard and a snowstorm is the strength of the wind. Yes. To be a blizzard, a snowstorm must have winds in excess of 56 kilometers per hour. That's 35 miles per hour. Okay. With blowing or drifting snow, which reduces visibility to one quarter of a mile or less, 
and must last for a prolonged period of time, typically three hours or more. Okay. I have been in several blizzards then. Oh. I got lots of family in Saskatchewan. Mm. Ah. Yeah. Blizzard land. Not to, be, <laughs> not to be confused with the land of Dairy Queen, <laughs> where they treat you right. And, and oh, serve we're blizzards. totally getting blizzards, blizzards after this episode, aren't we? I'm up for it. Yahoo! Blizzards can bring near whiteout conditions and can paralyze regions for days at a time. Maybe they paralyze because of the cold. That's a combo. It's right. a combo deal. And the, your joints just get oh, all super Oh, I want to get the combo. Dairy Queen. We, should, we need a Dairy Queen to sponsor this episode. <laughs> Big time. Hey, Dairy Queen, send us a bunch of money. We've said your name like five times already. Oh, just send us blizzards. Word origin, uh, 1859, came into general use in the U.S. 1880, though it was used with a sense of violent blow in 1829. Blizz is a violent rainstorm. You just used three dates that were completely... You said 1859 became common usage in 1880. You do it! (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what the phobia of blizzards is? Ooh, snowophobia. Nasophobia. French? <laughs> when have you ever heard a phobia where the, where the base language was French? Uh, Except for mimophobia. But I'm thinking the French really dislike the snow because they're such whiners. <laughs> <laughs> this bit of racism brought to you by Kevin Leeson. I'm allowed. I'm half French. So you're a Or if you're an optimist, half not French. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, French people. Chymophobia. C-H-E-I-M-a-phobia, or chymatophobia. All right. Also, phrygophobia, which is the fear of cold things. And chyme oh. is Greek for winter. I'm down. Do you guys know there's a blizzard scale? Like the hurricane scale? Like the Fujita scale? Kind of. There's no widely used scale to classify snowstorms, mm-hmm. but the Northeast Snowfall Impact Scale of the National Weather Service characterizes and ranks high-impact Northeast snowstorms. All right. There's five categories. So it is just like the the, the Fujita scale. Because, well, F5 is the F6. biggest on the, on the planet. No, F6 F- is theoretical. The inconceivable tornado. Right. So F5 can actually happen. F6, yeah. although it's theoretical. Good call. Yeah, thank you. Hug a source. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> the Nesis scale, N-E-S-I-S. Uh, notable, significant, major, crippling, and extreme blizzard. Oh, I like that. The extreme blizzard's got uh, Smarties and sour candy in it. <laughs> and Oreo. So what causes a blizzard? That's, oh, what, that's what we need to talk about. I don't know. Some kind of fronts and meteorological business yeah. that I'm not really... It's where a low-pressure, warm tropical front meets a cold front. Uh, the reason for this is because, of course, you need the snow, and in order to have the wet air, you're going to have to have a, a warm front. The precipitation. Yeah, you're going to have to have a very wet air. Moist, meeting, very, very humid, moist, yeah. precipitous. What happens is these two fronts hit, and you have the cold, which create helps create the snow, and the warm, which has the wet, so that you get lots and lots and lots of snow. Mm-hmm. And the low pressure, which is what helps create the storm-like effect, so that the, there's lots of wind. I'm down with that. That makes perfect sense to me. All right. Well, if Kevin's okay with it, I'm okay with it. And whiteout is a weather condition in which visibility and contrast are severely reduced by snow. The horizon disappears completely. There are no reference points at all, leaving the individual without any orientation. A condition of diffuse light when no shadows are cast due to a continuous white cloud layer appearing to merge with the white snow surface. I have a whiteout anecdote. Did you use it to correct a typing mistake? Every day. White something. You do out. a lot of typing on your yeah yeah my electronic typewriter. Type. Yeah, He's got my... white out all over his laptop's monitor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's only funny because I could totally see you doing that. 
Pegasaurus doesn't put up with typing mistakes no matter where they occur. And then you just keep scrolling down and keep <laughs> <laughs> touching it up with your little white brush. A friend of mine who uh, spent a year teaching English in South America, in Ecuador, mm-hmm. and uh, he was coming to the end of his tenure teaching English at this little school, and his wife and himself were both there teaching English, and they uh, they were going to take the opportunity of to travel around South America after they're done their little teaching thing. They decided one of the first things they were going to do is they were going to climb this mountain. I can't remember if it was in Ecuador or Peru, but it was somewhere in that region. And they were, uh, you'd hire a guide and they would take groups of 10 or 20 people out. And uh, if you left early enough in the morning, you could get to the summit and back in a single day. And although there was a glacier and it was cold and all the rest of that stuff, it wasn't a very treacherous journey. It was something that people who weren't expert climbers could do. So they decided this is how they're going to kick off their little trip around South America. And they got about three quarters of the way up. And the guide said, listen, I can see a storm coming. Like, I know it's coming. He's got storm vision. He's, uh, he's got the superpower storm vision. You may have seen one or two of these things. And he uh, said to my friend and his wife, he said, listen, we can book it. Like, people who are in really good shape, we can make a run for the summit, get there, and probably get back off the mountain before or start heading back anyway before the serious storm hits. Mm-hmm. If you're not up for that, you should turn around and go back now. So a bunch of the party went back. And uh, a handful of them, like five or six of them, decided they were going to make a run for it. So I came all this way. I came all this way. I'm going to the peak. And, and he say, he thinks that they can make it and get back safely. And it's no problem, right? So uh, they get there. But, like, the storm came a lot faster than this guy anticipated. So mm. they basically got to the summit, like, touched their toe to the top of the mountain, and the yep. storm hit. And it was a whiteout. It was a complete whiteout. Like, they could not see past mm. two people in front of them. But there was actually the trail from the top of the mountain to, to the base camp. They had the guide ropes. But birds had eaten all the breadcrumbs. <laughs> There's no Hansel nor Gretel involved in this story. Mm-hmm. There was a guide rope. So they just, like, he said, hang on to the rope. You know, don't wander away from the group, and we should be able to make it back safely in spite of this inclement weather. Mm-hmm. So they're they're heading back down and uh, the storm is just getting worse and worse and worse. And the blowing cold was so bad and my buddy's wife was wearing cheap South American sunglasses that her sunglasses actually shattered. Wow. Into like 10 pieces and fell off of her face. Wow. It had been a sunny day when they started so my buddy hadn't worn the greatest of winter gear. Right. And uh, so they're trudging down this mountain and like sticking to each other and uh, they actually stumbled over the body of a climber who had gotten stuck up there and had had fallen down and died of exposure. What, like the same day? Yeah, like they were like an hour into their their coming oh, wow. down off the mountain, they tripped over the body of a of a dead <sighs> climber. And uh, by the time they got to the bottom, uh, my buddy's wife had full on snow blindness, and he had hypothermia. And so they ended up spending like two weeks in an Ecuadorian hospital. What happens when you're snow blind? Uh, you're blind from the snow. For how long? For a couple of days, like full on no vision. It's the glare off of the snow. Yeah. It's, uh, actually burns your retina. So it's just like staring at the sun, basically. But like staring at the sun. Yeah, Photokeratitis much. is uh, a painful eye condition caused by exposure of insufficiently protected eyes to the ultraviolet rays from either natural mm. or artificial sources. So I guess because it's bouncing off the, the snow, you get so much extra UV. Yeah. That's why the Inuit where there was little uh, Devo glasses. That's right. Uh, it didn't end up obviously permanently damaging your eyes, but it was a pretty pretty scary little episode. What with you actually stumbling yeah. over a dead body? Did they loot know? it? They were more concerned about not becoming. <laughs> they said, oh, he's got sunglasses. <laughs> and like, oh, he's got better boots than yeah. me. No, I think if he had, had better equipment, he would have made it off of and a uh, plus one mace. <laughs> <laughs> you find three gold pieces <laughs> and a bag of gold. Was it worth it? They they touched the summit. <laughs> They made it. Right. Did the people who went back down eventually touch the summit? <laughs> I'll I bet you yeah. they did eventually. eventually. They eventually made it back. Yeah. yeah. So. 
With no storm. Which of those people deserves to have their genes spread to the next generation? Suffice to say, there are many months of traveling around uh, South America. Was, it was heavily retarded at the very beginning of their journey. <laughs> Don't make that joke. I didn't. <laughs> Smiled quietly to myself. And your lips <laughs> flapped momentarily. There was a, <laughs> Words were literally tumbling, <laughs> about to tumble out. All right, let's talk about some blizzards in history. Okay. Right. Blizzards, blizzards in, in history. history. <sighs> I'm going to start out with the Great Blizzard. Oh, that is a Whoa. great blizzard. Yeah. Of 1888. It starts with great. The northeastern U.S. Mm-hmm. Death toll 400. Dumping up to 50 inches of snow in the space of two days, some 400 people died, including many sailors aboard vessels that were beset by gale-force winds and turbulent seas. Mm-hmm. From Montreal to Washington, D.C., cities and towns became isolated as roads proved impassable, train tracks were snowed under, and telegraph lines were brought crashing down. Yeah, you know, 1888, right, their snow-clearing capacities were probably severely limited. When were cars made? Like, wasn't it the early 1900s that they didn't actually start making the Model Ts? Yeah, yeah it was 1920, no, no, late teens, I think. So it would have all been horse-drawn carriages in 1888? Yeah, Boy, sleighs. I, my Maybe history a knowledge is terrible. He but, probably, the horses themselves, probably in snow that deep, couldn't have walked. Yeah. You have to put snow horseshoes on. Santa's laughing himself to sleep. Flying over everybody. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> this is why I have a flying sleigh. Along with heavy snow came snowdrifts as high as 50 feet. 200 ships were ruined, causing 100 deaths, as well as massive flooding and fires that could not be extinguished due to the fact that many firehouses were closed. Yeah, can't get mm-hmm. there from here. Yeah, back in the day when they were like private enterprises. So, uh, hands up, who wants to live in the good old days? <laughs> <laughs> and this brings me to something I want to mention that's not, that's kind of tied into blizzards. Um, the Great Die-Up. The what? As it was known. In the late 1800s, the weather was so severe, not just blizzards, but also drought and whatnot, uh, when referring to the raising of cattle, stock raising on the plains is doomed. Wow. This time in the nation's history became known as the Great Die-Up. In Kansas, the snow was already 10 feet high before the blizzard of 1886 hit. 80% of all the cattle froze to death, along with about 75 or more people. Wow. When the snow began to fall, it continued for a month. It got so cold that even in Florida, pipes froze and burst, and the entire fruit crop was lost. When warmer weather finally melted the snow and thawed the earth, rotting carcasses were scattered all over the landscape. Dead animals fouled the creeks and streams. Eighty percent of cattle died. That is a Here's l- lot of frozen beef. Build a barn. <laughs> I want to say. Where were the Amish? <laughs> Oh, I want to talk about the Cleveland Super Bomb. It sounds They're... like an amazing basketball dunk. No, the Super Bomb is when the Super Bowl sucks. Oh, terrible yeah. game. Ugh. Meteorologists have a name for a storm that occurs when air pressure drops very rapidly as a jet stream brings in moisture. A weather bomb. In late January 1978, uh, more like a hurricane than a snowstorm, wind gusts approaching a 100 miles per hour. Wow. That's three times the uh, strength of wind that you need to make a blizzard. Snow drifts uh, to reach 25 feet, making roads impassable, forcing doctors and emergency personnel to ski and snowmobile their way to those in need. Indiana's governor sent tanks down I-65 to remove stranded trucks, while in Ohio, National Guard helicopters flew some 2,700 missions to help stranded drivers. Wow. Death toll, 100. They say if you get like stuck in a blizzard like out on the road that the most important thing is to stay warm, and that's why they always tell you that in your survival kit to keep a candle. Because even a single candle burning inside your car will keep it warm enough to keep you alive. Hmm. That's a little Boy Scout tip there, boys. Thanks. Yeah. So 100 mile an hour winds, I was doing some research on wind chill factor because, of course, the combination of cold and wind 
on things that contain water, such as humans, is really bad. That's what the wind chill factor is all about? That is what the wind chill so factor is. So if you got is. lots more water than most people, the wind chill factor is more? Probably, mm-hmm. I guess. Although most people have, tend to have the same amount of water in them. Oh. Wind chill factor affects things that are, that are wet or contain water, oh. as far as I know. That makes sense. But the chart that I've got here only goes up to 60 miles an hour. So if the temperature is actually zero degrees Fahrenheit, which is uh, what's that like minus 30 Celsius or something like uh-huh. that, and the winds are 60 miles an hour, it actually feels like it's negative 33 Fahrenheit. Here's a question. Yeah. Zero degrees Celsius is what Fahrenheit? Uh, 32. 32. Mm-hmm. So zero degrees Fahrenheit is what Celsius? Minus 17.7. So keep that in mind because I'm going to be shooting a lot of numbers. All right. Some of them are Fahrenheit. Some of them are Celsius. They're from all over the internet. We're going to yeah. do some pretty quick conversions. I just, yeah. For Americans, for temperature, Celsius just makes way too much sense. Yeah. Zero is freezing. 100 is boiling. 20 is a decent room temperature. 30 is warm. 10 is you should put a coat on. I'd like to talk about the schoolhouse blizzard. Of okay. 1888. That was the same one, though. Uh, no, this one had a death toll of 235. Two different blizzards in 1888, because yeah. the Great Blizzard was 1888 yeah. as well. Yeah. So deadly because it became unexpectedly during a warm day. This is in North American Great Plains, by the way. Many people who ventured outside weren't properly dressed for the Arctic weather. Blizzard conditions caused temperatures to drop from above freezing to minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit in the course of the same day. Wow. Minus 40 Fahrenheit, that is crazy. Because so many people were out and about, namely school children, a lot of them were caught in the blizzard and died of hypothermia. Many teachers in one-room schoolhouses decided to send children home while others were kept in the school. By the end of the storm, 230 people, most of them children, were dead. Just a note, minus 40 Fahrenheit is actually minus 40 Celsius. That is the point where they both uh, are the exact same number. Yeah, So uh, it's equally cold for both of us. Yeah, <laughs> that is bloody stinking cold. In Plainview, Nebraska... Lois Royce found herself trapped with three of her students in her schoolhouse. By 3 p.m., they had run out of heating fuel. Her boarding house was only 82 yards away, so she attempted to lead the children there. However, visibility was so poor, they became lost, and all the children froze to death. The teacher survived, but her feet were frostbitten and had to be amputated. Uh, they do like to chop things off back in the late 1800s. And then in Holt County, also I like to Nebraska, refer to the 19th century as the choppy century. <laughs> Etta Shattuck, a schoolhouse teacher, got lost on her way home and sought shelter in a haystack. She remained trapped there until her rescue 78 hours later. What? She soon died on February 6th around 9 a.m. due to complications from surgery to remove her frostbitten limbs. The choppy century. Staying under a haystack for 78 hours, that is mental. That's <laughs> over got, three days. You get minus, three days and six hours that you're hiding under a haystack in minus 40 conditions. I probably just would have set the hay on fire. <laughs> Just, well, I'm dying from smoke inhalation and flame, but at least I'm not cold anymore. That seems like the most reasonable solution to that predicament, and that's true. You're burning up. I regret nothing! <laughs> 78 hours under a haystack. That and that was uh, like death toll 235. The storm of the century. Uh-huh. <sighs> also known as Great Blizzard. Another Great Blizzard? Also known as the White Hurricane. What year was this? 1993. Death toll, 310 people. Wow. In 1993, that is... That was a year after the dark, so the hillside thickets formed. Oh, that's right. In 1993... <laughs> here's the thing. You hear about these death tolls from stuff like this, and I, and I understand like a flood, or I understand like a, a fire, like all these other natural disaster type things that people can literally get like swept away, but a blizzard, I mean, in 1993, outside of homeless people, 
how does anybody get like caught in it and die? Right, like just hunker down. You know, you probably got enough canned goods to last you a couple of days, and crank your central heat on, and bada bing, bada boom, no death. Well, let's find out. Do tell. A large cyclonic storm impacted 26 states and roughly half of the population of the U.S., a wider area than any in recorded history. Meteorologists say the storm of the century was equivalent of a Category 3 hurricane. It ranked 5 on the NESIS scale. Which was extreme Which is blizzard. extreme. There's only two. There's only two that have been... In uh, history. That have been five in the NESIS in scale. In recorded history. Well, no, in the Northeast area where the NESIS applies. Oh. Yeah, sorry. All right. It's kind of <laughs> narrow and restricted. The highest wind gusts were recorded in New Hampshire at 144 miles an hour. Wow. Like, that feels, like, strong enough to, like, blow cars over on their side or something. Yeah. Like, that is 145 miles an hour. is ridiculous. Like, houses must be falling in. Like, roofs are collapsing. Now I think we can see how people might have died in 1933. Now I'm starting to get a picture. Yeah. I'm starting to get a picture of this. Oh. The greatest snowfall was recorded in Tennessee at 56 inches. Even the Florida Panhandle reported up to 4 inches with hurricane force wind gusts and record low barometric pressures. Between Louisiana and Cuba, hurricane-force winds produced high storm surges across northwestern Florida, which along with more than 15 scattered tornadoes Ooh, killed a, dozens of people. A yeah, hurricane-tornado combo. The blizzard, the snow tornadoes, the snow-nados. <laughs> That's the official terminology, I guess? I just made that up. <laughs> TM. I just TM'd it. It's mine now. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> Sorry, it's already on Urban Dictionary. Oh, crap. Oh. <laughs> You just untm that, mister. <laughs> All right, moving up on the death toll scale, the way that we like to do. Yeah, of course. The 2008 Afghanistan blizzard. Blizzards from around the world? This information is taken from a news item from 2008, February 16th. The death toll of people killed by unusually severe cold weather in Afghanistan has risen to 926. The National Weather Authorities earlier said that this winter is the coldest on record, with temperatures reaching lows of minus 30 degrees centigrade. That's 22 Fahrenheit. Minus 22 Fahrenheit. Yes, sorry. At least 100 people across the country have had limbs amputated due to frostbite, most of them shepherds who became lost in mountainous areas. The number of amputees is still on the rise. Avalanches and heavy snowfall have also destroyed over 730 houses in the impoverished country, and nearly 315,000 cattle have died since blizzards and frost hit ah. Afghanistan. This is a country where there's actually a segment of the population that lives in caves. So my little hunker down and you know just uh, <laughs> kind of close the door and seal your windows shut doesn't really work under these conditions. People in Afghanistan's northern provinces, stricken with hunger and cold, have apparently even taken to selling their children to buy bread and coal. You know what? You could just easily eliminate the middleman and, like, burn and eat your children. <laughs> like the way you think. I know. Like, like, close the circle. Like, take out that guy who's skimming profits off the top. At least. And just... <laughs> and aid workers have also reported being attacked by starving Afghan mountain dwellers. To probably burn them and eat them, right? Yeah. You don't have to burn them. You just cook them nicely. You don't want to char. Hey, you no. turn their fat into tallow. They're not Cajun. It's not black and Cajun chick children. You know. <laughs> All right, the big one. The big one. This one is, the numbers of this just kind of blow my mind. 1972. Where were you? I wasn't born yet. Uh, yeah, I was four. I was two. So I was in Winnipeg. You guys, Similar conditions. I was about to say, contemplating the uh, high death toll of this particular <laughs> blizzard, obviously. A week-long period of low temperatures and winter storms lasting from February 3rd to 9th, 1972, dumped more than 10 feet of snow across rural areas in Iran. 
10 feet in one week. In, that is mental. In, you don't even think of snow in Iran. Well, no, they got mountainous regions. That's where the Iranians uh, took those hikers, those American hikers that were walking along. Southern Iran sustained as much as 26 feet of snow, burying at least 4,000 villagers. 26 feet of snow in yeah. a week? Yep. That's averaging like almost four feet a day. The city of Artakan and outlying villages were hardest hit with no survivors in Kakan or Kumar. In the northwest, near the border with Turkey, the village of Sheklab and its 100 inhabitants were buried. And the complete death toll was? 4,000. 4,000 deaths. Wow. Yeah. That is daunting. I just can't even imagine 26 feet of snow in a single week. Like, I remember in 1995, Vancouver had a snowstorm yeah. where it was like two and a half feet. Nobody went anywhere for like four days. Yeah, I remember. Story, when you walked to the corner store, everything was empty. Like, stores wouldn't even open because their employees wouldn't show up. Yeah. yeah. It was seriously like 32 inches or something. It was, at the time, CFB Chilliwack, Canadian Forces Base Chilliwack was still open, and they actually had to send the army out mm-hmm. to rescue people. To, yeah. Like, get them out of their cars that had been stranded and dig out entire neighborhoods and all the rest of that stuff. And Shoot we, some terrorists. Yeah, and it was like three feet of snow. Iran got 26 feet of snow in parts in a single week. That is mental. Now, this I understand. Like, you literally <laughs> get buried. Yeah. Villages, and entire villages entire gone. Entire villages, where they probably didn't have a lot of, like, those uh, canned goods. Didn't have goods. the snow plows. No, those canned goods that your mom gets on sale, but nobody actually wants to eat, like creamed corn. <laughs> the garbanzo that, beans. Yeah, the garbanzo beans, the creamed corn. You could survive on, you know, in a civilized society. Make some hummus. Yeah. <laughs> Ironic. Or it's, ironic. Ooh. Instead of blizzards, let's go get hummus. Yeah, let's get hummus blizzards. Sold. <laughs> the news February 4th 2011 Chicago Police Superintendent Jody Weiss or Weiss mm-hmm. says the city went 48 hours without any gunfire during this week's blizzard until someone tried to steal a snowblower <laughs> Wait 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 that's that's surprising 48 hours without gunfire yeah. 
is surprising. It is the city of Chicago. That it takes a blizzard. And what broke the embargo and basically brought the peace accord to an end (laughs) was the theft of a snowblower. Crime went down dramatically during a storm that socked Chicago with more than 20 inches of snow. Weiss says there was one shooting that left a man injured when three people tried to steal his snowblower early Friday. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you know, I guess you can't really flee on a snowblower, can you? (laughs) Aren't they mostly push? Making his getaway. Yeah, these guys, what was their theft plan? You knock this guy down, you like wrest the snowblower from his hands, and then you kind of trundle away very slowly. Well, it looks like their plan was if he tries to... Leaving a rooster tail of snow behind. It it looks like their plan was if he tries to stop us, we'll shoot him, because the guy who owned it is the one who got shot. Oh. Unless he accidentally shot himself. There's a distinct possibility. Well, it could have been a whiteout. You can't can't see anything. Hard to aim. (laughs) The wind could have blown the bullet straight back at him. Maybe the snowblower had mounted guns. Road warrior style. What do they call that? that, Would they call that a blowjacking? Yes, they would. (laughs) That's a blowjacking. You got (laughs) blowjacked. What are we doing now? Public service announcement. A public service announcement by Caustic Soda. How to survive a blizzard. Now, of course, this depends on where you are. So we've got three different uh, areas. I think I got this from... Kevin's outside. Okay. I'm in a car. car, And and you're at home. Okay. So, Kevin, if you're outside, Uh uh, the first thing you should do is seek shelter immediately. The blowing winds can cause the wind chill to reduce your core body temperature to dangerous levels. What is your Mm -hmm. core body temperature? I don't know, but I am... uh, I'm about four degrees hotter than your normal human being on average, I think. Really? Do the girls like that? Uh, I'm very popular in the winter months. Yeah. Yeah. If you are wet, try to get dry. Lighting a small fire will not only provide warmth, but will enable your clothing to dry out. That's that wind chill thing, yeah. 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 Uh, Deep snow can actually act as an insulation from the wind in cold temperatures, so digging a snow cave can actually save your life. Watch out for wampas. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Or you can split open your tauntaun and go inside that. That's a snow cave of another variety. (laughs) Stay hydrated. That's what she said. (laughs) Stay hydrated, but do not eat snow. You need to melt snow before eating it. Your body must still heat the ice and melt it. Instead, gather snow in some sort of vesicle and attach it to your body for a slow melting process. A canteen inside your coat, but not directly next to the skin, will speed the melting process. Vesicle. Mm. So I like that word. Stay, basically, stay sheltered, stay dry is okay. uh, what you can do if you're outside. That seems and evidently not under a pile of hay. And Well, she lasted 72 hours. Yeah, 78 hours. 78 hours. Yeah, but then she had all her limbs chopped off. But it was the right. choppy century, so... Maybe 48 would have been fine. Oh, okay. It was that you last, uh, that last no. 20 or 30. I mean... Oh, she's getting stuff chopped off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Torin. I'm in a car. What do I do? Help me. Uh, never leave the vehicle. Mm, light a candle. Well, as, as Kevin says, light a candle. Mm-hmm. If you're stranded, the vehicle offers some form of protection from exposure to the cold. A single person walking through the snow is also harder to find than a stranded car or truck. Ooh, it's like that plane crash thing. Never leave the wreck because it's easier to find a, the, a wrecked plane than it is to find an Indian. Exactly. Uh, it's okay to run the car for short periods to provide some heat. Remember to crack the windows a small amount to allow for circulation of fresh air. Dangerous exhaust fumes, including carbon monoxide, can build up very quickly. Should I pee inside my snowsuit or in the coffee cup? I would think in the coffee cup. I like and the then fact. drink it? Uh, if you need to, but there's snow outside you could melt, so that would probably be a better okay. idea. Here's what I think is pee into one cup. Yeah. 
then put snow in another one Mixer. and use the warmth. Well, I wouldn't mix the actual liquids. Use the warmth a little from the one cup cone, a little to Italian, melt the other one. A little Italian ice, so to speak. I'm just saying to touch the cups together to get the warmth out of the pea to warm okay. the snow. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not saying any actual pea contact. Don't eat the yellow snow. Keep yourself moving. A car offers little room for you to keep your blood flowing, but exercise is a must. Clap your hands, stomp your feet, and move around as much as possible at least once an hour. How uh, ironic would it be that you know, you're know you stuck in a, in a blizzard and you're parked in your car and then you didn't crack a window and you died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. Like you're sitting there, oh, I'm all warm. I lit, I lit my candle. I'm all prepped. I'm ready to oh, go. I'm really sleepy. Yeah. So I'll, <laughs> I'll just take a quick nap. It'll be no problem. <laughs> all the snow is making me dizzy. <laughs> also, remember to keep your mind and spirit from wandering too far into gloom. While potentially dangerous situations uh, are not a time of joy, keeping yourself from added stress will allow you to make smarter decisions when necessitated. And as Torrin added to this, always keep an MP3 player loaded with caustic soda episodes and fresh batteries. Ah, perfect. Make the car visible for a rescue. Hang bright bits of colored cloth or plastic from the windows. If the snow has stopped falling, open the hood of the car as a signal of distress. Okay. As opposed to you just being parked on the side of the road in the middle of a blowing blizzard. That's not enough. crying into your hands. It's not not enough to tip people off. I'm sure there will be a lot of abandoned cars, so ah, by opening yes. the hood, you will note that somebody tried to get it going, and somebody might come try to take a look at it and find you inside, and then chop your limbs off. Yeah. And if you're at home, uh, if the electricity goes out, use an alternative form of heat with caution. Fireplaces and kerosene heaters can be dangerous without proper ventilation. Keep children away from any alternative heat source, unless, of course, you're using children as an alternative, alternative heat, heat source. source. Yeah, I like that. You know what's a good alternative heat source? Big stack of hay. Big stack yeah, of hay. Lit on fire and then climbed into the middle of I wouldn't do that in the house. No, it's just exactly. got it's just got chemical reactions inside as like as a compost. Oh, that's right. It yeah. uh, creates heat. It ah, does, yeah. Right. You can actually you can actually burn yourself sticking your hand into a large haystack. I've true uh, story. I've gotten close. <laughs> no, it's true. Especially if they're if they're moist, uh hay can get so hot that you can burn your hand if you stick your hand into it. Wow. It's totally unrelated to blizzards. Stick to one room for heat and close off unnecessary rooms in the house. Make sure there are no air leaks in the room. Keep sunlight streaming through the windows in the day, but block all windows at night. What do you mean well, make sure there's no air leaks in the room? Because you, you lose your heat. Yeah, you yeah because hot, the hot air, you'll lose your heat. So you want to make sure, basically, there's no drafts. So this is basically... do you need this, oxygen after a while, though? Well, you can't sure. make a room airtight. You know, you're not going to turn it into a vacuum. Yeah. Like it's just filled with plants. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. To just uh, <laughs> recycle, scrub the air for you. I guess this whole hypothesis is, uh, is surmising that you've lost power, that right. you don't possess well, electricity. You if can't you haven't turn your lost base power, on. turn your heat on. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Just a little pro tip from the uh, fellows at Caustic Soda. What I did all the stuff they told me to. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking cold in here. <laughs> I started burning all my furniture in the fireplace. What's up with that? I loaded up a haystack and put my hand in it, hoping to burn it. <laughs> also remember that your pets need to Just to, to remind me I was alive. <laughs> Sorry, what was that last part? Your pets need to be protected from the cold, so don't forget about them. Oh, they got fur. Ooh, snuggle with your pets. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to stay warm right there. Yeah. A little man-on-pet love. I mean, cuddling. I mean, survival. Well, it must be time for the lesser of two evils. So which is the lesser of two evils? Which would you rather experience? So would you rather walk 20 miles through a blizzard... Or receive a gut shot during the Iraq War as per Three Kings. Okay, I have questions. Yes. How close am I to a doctor in the Iraq? You don't know. (laughs) 
Do I have my snowsuit on? Uh, we'll say that sloshing you sloshing with pee. We'll say that you're you're wearing warm clothing, but you're not. You know, you don't have a parka and everything. I right, you're wearing winter clothes. Where am I in this blizzard? Iraq or Canada? You're in Canada. You have I'm... twenty miles to civilization. Twenty miles? Yeah, thirty-two kilometers. It's a long way. That is a long. I don't like walking that far <laughs> when it's sunny out. <laughs> Right. You gotta worry about sun. Gotta go with the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a... snow or no. <laughs> so it really has nothing to do with the cold or the snow. It's the walking it's the that walking. you object to. So would you rather walk twenty miles through? Do I have beautiful, my MP3 weather? fully loaded with the caustic soda In episodes? Both instances, yes. <laughs> here's, here's what I want to know. Where, where do you draw the line? I don't want to hear you Kevin's can... shrill voice while I'm bleeding to death out of my gut. <laughs> no, where, where's the point of what no return? What are your return? bona fides? <laughs> Wait, what's the, what's Why the, are you here? What's the point of no return? At what point in time do you like? Okay, I can walk that far. And <laughs> <laughs> rather than be shot like is it is it like one kilometer is that like oh anything past one kilometer first i'm gonna say seven. Seven, seven seven kilometers seven kilometers okay eight yeah kilometers, anything no way, less uh, anything more than seven you'd rather be shot <laughs> than walk that far in the stomach all right well that's very interesting Go okay on. using like that it's like that homer moment what is he doing using his legs like a sucker right? <laughs> i'm a human furnace i uh, right. as we've already established earlier in this episode i'm warmer than your average bear so I'm white enough that I think I can survive just about any snowstorm. So uh, right. the uh, I'm going to go with the blizzard. And, you know, as long as I got a, a fully charged iPod <laughs> with all my caustic soda loaded up where I can hear my wonderful dulcet tones that will motivate me to walk on so as not to cheat the world from hearing me further, <laughs> then uh, I'm yes, all good. It's completely selfless. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I have to agree, and I, but the reason I agree uh, to go bl- that I would rather do the walk through the blizzard is because I'm relying on myself rather than other people or random chance. You know, hoping that a doctor gets to me lying there bleeding out with the gut yeah. shot. You know? And even if the doctor does get to you, he could be like a bumbling idiot. And also, either <laughs> he could be Doctor Doolittle, and then he's no help at all. <laughs> That's right. Precisely. There's no animals to talk to here. Perhaps this camel knows how to fix a gut well, shot. Maybe you can maybe talk you... to your parasites. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe you just get like a field medic who's not so good and he can't tie off that artery or whatever the heck you're bleeding from and bada yeah. bing, bada boom, and, uh, it's and out the, of your hands. And I would rather die in a blizzard where, you know, it's awful and horrible and cold and eventually I, my body shuts down and I fall asleep and freeze yeah, to death rather than sepsis and pain and blood and bits of my body leaking out of me. That's a really time. good point. I haven't even brought up like the method, right? Like, I mean, if you go down in a blizzard, you're just literally going to kind of like stumble and fall and go face first into a, into a snowbank and then you're just going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm so tired and everything's so cold. I'm just going just gonna to lay here for a second and relax. And yeah. Until the St. Bernard my... with a little rum casket yeah. under his neck comes and finds me, digs yeah. me out. I'll be, uh, I'm just going to hang out here until I, until I get my energy back and, and then you just never <laughs> wake then, up again, right? And then somebody stumbles over you as they try to run down the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the right. Takes your sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> and boots. I wonder what Rob would, Dr. Rob would say about healing success on gut shots. Like even if you get the bullet out and yeah. you get a surgery and everything, like that's going to complicate your bowel life for the rest right. of your... Yeah, but then again, if you're in the blizzard, you could get frostbite in your nose and fingers and stuff and you could be like choppy, Mr. Choppy. Mr. No-Nosy McFingerson. I hate that guy. <laughs> You could be that guy after this experience. That's true, and he hates that guy. So you There's know, a lot I mean, of self-loathing going on with Torin. Yeah, like fake nose and stumpy fingers. Pop culture. The day after tomorrow. Because mm-hmm. of the, and the terrible CG scene of outrunning the cold. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're running down the corridor, and the cold is going down the walls, trying to catch them. Like running away from a fireball. I always love those yeah. things, too. Hey, if Hollywood has taught me anything... <laughs> and it hasn't. It's, it's that it's possible to run away from fireballs. And yeah. if it's possible to run away from fireballs, there's snow and cold has got to be sluggish, sluggishier than, than fire. Yeah. So if you can outrun fireball, you can outrun the cold. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's the all or nothing that Hollywood just loves. There's but no, who's going to win in the race? Cold or flame? Flame melt the cold. No, they're not fighting each other. They're just running. <laughs> they're like just trying to get somewhere. I think the I think the fireball is going to be fine. Unless the fire is cheating. <laughs> well, <laughs> which it might. Yeah, the, you that's know, right. You can't trust fire. You can't trust fire. You can't trust <laughs> fire as far as you can throw it. <laughs> which is not very far. <laughs> which you shouldn't do, by the way. Yeah, don't you, throw you need a flamethrower, and that's only you know thirty feet. Anything else to add about that particular movie? It was bad. It was terrible. I saw the riff tracks of it, which made it worthwhile. But I watched it regular terrible. style. Regular style, what does that mean? With the eyes closed? <laughs> no, I watched it without a riff tracks. Ah, so what do you, what do you it think It left very little impression on me. Yeah. Like you don't even remember it coming? I remember some CGI wolves. Uh, you remember snippets? I remember them being in a library. You know what I watched the other night? Whiteout, based on the comic book, Whiteout. I, I only read like one episode of the comic book, but I thought it was They're called good. Issues. What's that? <laughs> They're called Issues on comics. They're called Issues. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> I thought it was quite good. Like, it's a murder mystery set in Antarctic. Yep. Like, a, the founding concept is strong, right? But uh, evidently the movie did not capture any of the tension. Not or so great. They had, some good, they had a good part where she's, uh, she's out in uh, Blizzard, mm-hmm. and she's being chased by this guy with a pickaxe. Okay. And she's right. running along the rope okay. between, between buildings. All right. She doesn't have her gloves on. Ooh. So she goes to grab the metal handle of the door. Her oh, hand no. gets stuck? And her and she pulls all the skin off of her hand. Oh, snap. Yeah, that is, actually sounds pretty cool. I mean, and then take... she has to have her, her fingers chopped off. Choppy? Because they're all black. That, no, no. That'd be... Frostbite. Here's my problem. What I think the ultimate issue with the movie Whiteout is. You take uh, they're Kate... called episodes. <laughs> you take Kate Beckinsale, who is, in my personal opinion, one of the most beautiful women that is in the world today. Hmm. I mean, she is stunning. I've met her personally. She's gorgeous. And then you put her, like, in a parka and a snowsuit <laughs> and, like, you know, throw her out in a snowstorm where she, like, buttons everything up and yeah, covers the, her face the with first a scarf. Scene, the and first a... scene she's in, she yeah. takes a shower. Well, because nice. they know that that's yeah. the last time you're going to get any, end uh, is. any Kate Beckinsale skinage, right? Yeah, man. I hate when they take talented, beautiful women and make it so we can only see their talent. So frustrating. So annoying. Uh, The number one reason I never went and saw it. (laughs) Women in parkas? That's what they should have called the movie. (laughs) I didn't even hear about it. (laughs) It wasn't in theaters for very long. It was uh, universally panned, I think, by just about every critic. 7% on on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, The comic was so stylized. Like, it was a black and white comic. Mm -hmm. And it was the part that, like, won it all sorts of awards and stuff was how stark it was and how raw it was. And, you know, over the course of a comic book, you can kind of build up this tension this murder mystery tension because there's only a handful of people who can be a suspect right and they all live in close proximity to one another and you know she's kind of at the mercy of all of them and all that sort of stuff can build up over the extended period of a comic book series right but when you're trying to cram all that stuff in and they want to get their sort of requisite number of action beats and and you just can't recreate the starkness of the comic in a movie otherwise it's just going to be you're going to give your audience snow blindness and that's mm-hmm. not going to do anybody any good. <laughs> Somebody's going to crash their car after driving home after the movie, and you're going to be like, uh, I'm going to sue. 
You know, there's stark Antarctic uh, close proximity uh, killing people movie is the thing. Hells yeah. Were there any actual blizzards in there? Yeah, there was. Oh, yeah. I seem to recall there were. Just, yeah, that's why they couldn't go outside. lots of wind, so yeah. yeah. And uh, my favorite scene in the thing is when uh, he uh, sort of pieces it all together and he's talking about how if he tests everybody's blood, he's going to know who the alien is. Yeah. Because the blood is a separate entity and it will react yeah. automatically. And he's, yeah. you know, heating up that piece of wire and sizzling it in people's blood. Yeah. And then when everything goes freaking haywire <laughs> and... Uh, the blood like jumps off the thing and even though yeah. he knew that this is what he was trying to make happen yeah. when it happened he was still like frozen with terror as this like blood runs all over the place yeah. and then they end up like torching that guy with the flamethrower <laughs> and just what an awesome and he runs through the wall out into the snow like yeah. what an awesome scene that's a great movie from start to finish yeah. loved it it's one of those ones that you didn't expect to be any good especially for the time like the, the visual effects were really amazing groundbreaking like it didn't take you out of the movie like you didn't like oh psh roll your eyes at it like I did with Carnosaur. <laughs> and it's a remake of uh, 1950s original. Yeah, I've seen the original. Yeah, the original wasn't called The Thing, though, was it? It was, it was called, called The Thing else. from Another World. Yeah. The Thing from Another World, yeah. yeah. Do we want to talk about The Shining again or no? Well, yeah, because, um, I mean, we talked about The Shining during the blood episode because of the big uh, fountain of blood, but I think it, it bears repeating that, of course, the final sequence all happens in a blizzard, in the, the hedge maze. The hedge maze, yeah. Yeah, good old Jack dies from exposure because... He didn't follow our simple steps to surviving outside. <laughs> there was no snow cave. His murderous rage kept him from digging a <laughs> snow cave. The blizzard had multiple effects. It kept them trapped at the at the overlook. Yep. Good old Scatman had to come in on that big, uh, the big four oh, by Scat four. Scatman Carruthers, voice of the jazz. Autobot Jazz. Yeah, yeah. yeah he had to uh, you know take that tracked vehicle up there just to get a, an axe in the chest by Jack. I mean, that, oh, that's yeah. a big difference between the book and the uh, movie. In the movie, Ugh, gets, I'm bad at this. The movie, he gets <laughs> killed, and in the uh, in the book, he survives, right? Oh, I didn't know that. I read an article, actually, where a guy uh, posited the theory that the protagonist of the movie is actually the Overlook Hotel. Yeah, that was the Todd Alcott write-up, yeah. who we've mentioned before. None of the actual human characters How are the protagonist of the film. Well, the protagonist is basically gauged by who has a, a goal, a mission to right. achieve. And what's uh, the hotel's goal? To have Jack murder his family. It's not yeah. Jack's goal. Jack loses his mind. Yeah, he's he's just up there trying to get away. So he doesn't have a goal he's trying to accomplish throughout the movie. It's just that he does end up doing things, but it's not what he wanted to accomplish. Like he's just the agent of the hotel. Basically. The house, it's the the hotel itself wanted wanted him, and it and he said Todd Alcott said that once he realized that at least that it could be that the hotel is the protagonist, that he looked at the movie again, and it opened up all these amazing ideas. Comics. Comic books, lots of sort of wintry, blizzard-type characters in the comic book world. The most aptly named of them all, of course, would be Blizzard. I don't know Blizzard. He's an Iron Man villain. There are actually two Blizzards. Okay. The first Blizzard was a scientist who uh, spent his life researching cryogenics. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it was one of those things that I think his research was frustrated. They took his funding away or something like that. So he's like, Sounds a lot like Mr. Freeze. I'm going to get the money that I need. I'm going to get my revenge and blah, blah, blah. And so he builds this suit using his expertise in cryogenics that can, you know, make ice walls and freeze things. Right. You know. And, of course, he gets frustrated by Iron Man in the process. And okay. then uh, at some point in time, he actually, like, magically was given those ice powers. And so no longer he required a suit. He could, like, control ice and the cold with his brain. You read all this in Iron Man? I mean, I knew the character from the Iron Man series, but I actually read that in the research. Oh. And then there was a, there's another Blizzard character after that guy died. Iron Man from the future came back and actually killed the original Blizzard. Seems not very heroic. <laughs> no, no, he was like, because Iron Man from the future is a villain, evidently. Oh, okay. The, the Iron Man from 2020, which is, of course, just around the corner. So he's about to become a bad guy any day now. <laughs> 
And uh, so he killed the original Blizzard, and so this other guy, this sort of petty crook, inherited his suit. And there's there's always seems to be some plot line in, in every series where some petty crook gets these incredibly powerful tools mm-hmm. and then doesn't really know what to do with them, and so he's kind of a bumbling fool. And this was one of those characters. Like, it's he like never really the learned. Jacques Cousteau. Clu- <laughs> <laughs> Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> Those are two very different people, by the way. What about Jacques Cousteau? <laughs> does, the bubbling diver. Does your sled Could never dog, find any fish. Does your sled dog, dog bite? bite? <laughs> yeah. Well, while we're talking about comic book characters with ice powers, i got to mention Chinchiller and Coldcock from the World Wildlife Federation <laughs> of Justice. Chinchiller. Chinchiller is a good guy. All right. Oh. And Coldcock's a bad guy. Yeah, uh-huh. as expected. Right. You don't tend to have the word cock in your name unless you are a cock. Not to be confused with cold turkey from the Captain Carrot universe. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Captain is, is Carrot he, is he just really good at Zuku? quitting things? Is that his power? No, he's just turkey. That's it. I'm done with being powers. a criminal. What? Really? Yep. <laughs> I'm giving it up. Just giving it up. <laughs> quitting it. Cold turkey. Damn it!